morning? Have you got your notepads and your pens or your iPhone or your iPad, your laptop, your desktop? Uh, have you got that ready to take some notes? Well done. Give us a wave if, you, if you've got a, an old school Bible. Uh, that, that means with pages and, and front cover, back cover. Excellent. Cool bananas ready to go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. I pray that as I speak that you, Holy Spirit, would uh, implant into the lives of your people what you want them to hear. I thank you that it encourages, it uplifts, it challenges, and uh, it sees a great uh, change come about, not only in our lives, but in our community as well. I thank you for the power of your word coming alive in each and every one of us, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. For a number of months, I've uh, felt a strong prompting uh, to activate Infused Church to praying in the streets of our community. I... uh, feel very strongly uh, that this is something that we as a church uh, need to be looking at and to, and to be uh, participating in. We're actually aiming for a launch point uh, for this to happen, and I said during the announcements that that's going to be on Sunday the 1st of December, uh, starting with a picnic tea up at uh, the Mount Barker Summit, and then we're going to have a time of worship, and then we're going to be praying uh, together as we uh, head up to there. Uh, from uh, the church here. Um, We will, from the summit, the Mount Barker summit, then hit the streets that we live in. So our personal street, uh, uh, maybe the streets around about. uh, uh, I'd encourage you, if you're a part of a connect group, get your connect group out in the street and start to pray in the street. Take five or ten minutes to walk up and down the street uh, praying uh, for the the people in the the street that you're living in. With us going to uh, the streets, I really felt quite strongly that there was a strategy that the Holy Spirit had given me for this to take place. So from this morning until the 1st of December, I'm going to talk about that strategy that I feel God has laid on my heart for us to do just that, to actually start to pray in our streets, to believe, to see a change come into our community because of the church getting outside of the four walls. So you might be asking, why on earth are we doing this anyway? And that's uh, that's asking a very good question. So I'm just going to take a couple of minutes just to let you know why we're actually going to be doing this as a church. Because I think it's important that not just knowing what we've got to do, but knowing the why behind the what. It's, It's something about our faith as well. Like, why do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Why do you believe that the, the power of the Holy Spirit can help us to live uh, a life. You know, it's, it's really good to have the why behind the what, not just the what. Uh, so this is the why behind our what of uh, taking this uh, initiative to the streets of our community. And if you want to put a message to this next few weeks, it's simply taking it to the streets, part one. <laughs> wow. That's just amazing. How did you come up with that strategy, that title? It's just amazing, Gary. It's just great. Now, the first reason that we are going to do this is this. The first reason is the community isn't coming to the church, so the church must go to the community. The church isn't coming, sorry, the community isn't coming to the church, so the church has got to go to the community. We've got to start to make inroads into our community. That's why I said to you this morning, good morning church, welcome to the building. You've got to start to understand this bricks and mortar is not the church, it's a building. 
It's a place that we meet. The church is a gathering of people. It's what it was in the New Testament. It was a gathering of people. The church was a gathering of people. A gathering of people under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not a bricks and mortar structure. I'd love to put out in the foyer uh, as people arrive, welcome church to the building. Welcome home church to the building. Because I think it's important. Please understand what I'm saying. We meet here each Sunday as the church, not in the church. Okay? Mark 15 verse, sorry, Mark 16 verse 15. Uh, a lot of people call this the Passion Translation. I'm going to call it the Pentecostal Translation. Just kidding, just messing, all right? Jesus said to them, as you go into all the world, as you go into all the world, Preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. I think sometimes we've lost sight of the, the mandate upon the church to be active and relevant in our community. And that doesn't happen through bricks and mortar. That happens through people being filled with the Spirit of God and a call of God to go out into our community and to bring about change in our community. And I've got to tell you, that's challenging it's confronting. It's, it's something that sometimes we will have uh, doubts about and thinking about like uh, even as William shared with his testimony uh, during the worship that sometimes we don't think that God can use us. We don't think that God's got a plan for us, but he does. And it involves going out into our community that as we go about doing the things that we do in our world, that God will use us to do different things. Before we can ever talk to people about Father God, we've got to talk to Father God about the people. It's where it starts. And this is the whole idea behind this initiative that we're going to go out into the community. As Father God gives us a strategy to reach our community, we go out into our community. There's always been the expectation of us going into our community to engage with people with the message of Jesus, of his love, grace, and his forgiveness. Secondly, second reason we're doing this is because people matter to Father God. People matter to God. People matter to God. Father God wants to reach this community with his love, with his grace, with his forgiveness. We read in John 3, 16 and 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. See, this is how God works. He set us an example. God didn't stay in heaven and expect the world to come to him because we can never do that. We can never reach heaven on our own and through our own merits or just wanting to hear uh, about Father God. We, the, the, G, God sent Jesus into the world to bring the message of his love, forgiveness, and grace. So there's a, we're created in his image. If, if that was good enough for Jesus to go into the world, he's asking us to go into the world as well. See, one of the things that you've got coming up in, in December is a series of messages on, on what does Christmas mean to me? Because as we head towards Christmas, it is one of the prime uh, 
means of, of people being open to the gospel message than ever before. It happens at Easter. It happens at Christmas. People are happy to talk about the Christmas message. They talk, they're happy to talk about what Jesus means in our community. What Jesus means at Christmas time is an absolutely ripe opportunity to share something with the community about Jesus. Because I've got to tell you, the community matters to God. We read in, in uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. So we've got to go out and seek and save those which are lost. In other words, uh, we've got to just carry on the same mandate, the same uh, responsibility, the same uh, calling that Jesus had. And that's just to share the love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus with those people in our community. It's the whole reason that Jesus came to the earth was to reconcile mankind back to God. People matter to God. Every home represents a family or a person. Every seat here represents a story of God's work in someone's life. Let me tell you something. Everyone matters. Everyone matters. From the billionaires to the person who's sleeping on the streets. From the person who's got an exceptional job to the person who doesn't and is trying everything they can or even maybe they're not trying to do everything they can. The people who've taken the system for a ride. Every single one of them matters. It's the third reason that we're doing this. is Father God wants us to build deeper connections with each other as we go because we don't do this alone. We do this as a part of a group. We do this with other people around about us. We don't do this alone. Luke chapter 10 verse 1 simply says that after this the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them out two by two. I'd encourage you as a family unit, hit your street. Go out into your street. But there's a strategy behind us going out into the street. I want, I want to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. It's not just going out and praying in our community for those people in behind those doors and saying, Lord God, give them a way of getting to, to know you, getting to touch them in some way. You know, Lord, if you can get the message through, Lord, do that. I believe that God needs to change us first because what I'm praying for God to do in them, I want God to do in me first. Because the the reason is that sometimes that we don't share uh, the message of Jesus is because the message of Jesus hasn't meant anything to us. But that's probably the people down the other church, down the road. It wasn't for you. So I know that all of you here are just amazing in that way. So I just wanted to put it out there. That's just the other people down there. But that's that's the reality of it. Sometimes we don't share about Jesus because we're not all that hot about Jesus either. So the strategy for us is, Lord, put me on white hot fire for you. Give me a revelation of who you are, of your love for me, so that I can actually share that same love with the people around about. Because it's got to mean something to us. or We will never hit the streets otherwise. Let me say this again. We don't do this alone. We do this in the context of family, of fellowship with those in our home or our connect groups. Let's, let's get the message out some way. Now, I know that some people live in a rural type of area, okay? And that maybe you don't have, uh, a, well, you have a really long street and it goes for about 10 k's before you see another person, okay? But you can actually go to maybe a hilltop. Maybe you can go to a place in, your, in, in a roundabout where you can see some areas around about and you can start to say, God, give me a heart for these people. Give me a means of, of reaching out to them. Maybe, Lord, open up some doors where I have an opportunity to do something about that. Is that okay? See, 
That's why we've got to deep, do deeper connections with each other. It's, all, it's, it's where we'll encourage each other and share the testimonies with each other. Can I tell you, one of the, we, we're being really strategic about why we're sharing testimonies on a Sunday morning. Because I want you to hear that God's at work. I want you to hear about the miraculous. I want you to hear about how people who don't feel that they can pray for someone or don't have the faith to see someone healed of maybe uh, uh, an infection in a gallbladder or something of that nature or where someone's got anxiety but then someone prays for them. They don't feel that they could pray for them, but they did anyway, just in the hope that God's going to use them. And they see them being healed and stuff like that. Why do I want you to hear that? Because it might stir you. You might think to yourself that I don't have the faith to believe that God, but I'm just going to give it a crack anyway. And in that moment, in that instant where you maybe just remembered something from Sunday morning where such and such got up and they just shared their story, maybe God would do that for me. And then we can start to see miracles happen. Because the reality is, the less we talk about miracles, the less we'll see of them. You get what you aim for. You get what you shoot for. If you're believing for God to use you by the power of His Holy Spirit in the area of the word of knowledge, start to pray for that. Start to pray for the prophetic gift to come upon your life. If you want God to use you in the area of healings, read about the healings in the Bible. This is what I've done. I have a a Thompson Chain reference Bible at home. What I've done is to photocopy all the the miracles that are recorded in the Bible and I I read over the miracles in the Bible because I want to be inspired. I want to be motivated. I want to hunger for for a move of God, not just in my community. I want to hunger for a move of God in me. I want to see the miraculous come through me into the people in the community. I don't want my name. My prayer is, Lord, make me a person of no reputation. Because I don't want people to remember me. I want them to remember an encounter with Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that saves them. Jesus is the one that heals them. Jesus is the one that gave his blood and shed his blood and gave his life for them on a tree. The majority of the time, Jesus ministered to those around him whilst he was with his disciples. Yes, there was uh, exceptions to that. But then again, he is the Son of God and he had the fullness of the Holy Spirit within him. Okay, This is in terms of talking about doing this with other people. We often read of Peter and Andrew. We often read about John and James. We often read about the disciples, plural. Okay, As a church, we believe doing things as a team. It's a, as a family provides safety, security, and accountability, we all need that. Because if we go out on our own, there's no one to say, hey, mate, you just you know, like, need to back off a bit in that area. I think your, your theology is a bit wrong. You know? it's, uh, it's not as uh, people get healed when there's a zebra that crosses our path during a full moon. That's not what happens. That's not how things are done. It might happen in cartoons with Bugs Bunny, but it doesn't happen here. So we just need that accountability. Is that fair? That's why we need to do this with each other. Fourth reason we do this, uh, are doing this initiative, is if Father God has given us the people in our streets and in our community, they just don't know it yet. That's a statement of faith. God's given us this community. I'm not pastoring this church. I'm pastoring my community. God has called me to pastor this community. That's why I'm a part of the Mount Barker business group. That's why I'm in the Mount Barker park run every Saturday, most Saturday mornings. I wasn't there for the last two because I was a bit slack. <laughs> felt tired, felt tired. We had a working bee yesterday. So that's why I'm out in the community. That's why I'm building relationships 
in the community. That's why I want to go out into my street because God has given me the responsibility of pastoring this community, not just this church. Can I suggest to you that God has given you the responsibility of pastoring your street, your family, your workplace? God has given you the responsibility of pastoring those areas. You just didn't know that and they don't know that their numbers up as well. God loves this community. He's given us this community. They just don't know it. And Joshua, Joshua chapter 1 verses 3 to 5 says, I'll give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend. Now I've just finished it there in the, in the bold stuff because I believe that God wants us to extend stuff. He wants us to increase stuff. It needs to be bigger when it's come into our hands because God's a bigger God. God's a God of multiplication. God wants us to do this. See, God's given us this community because God lives in us. Wherever we go, God goes too. The kingdom of God has come upon you. It is even now in you, the Bible says. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. Wherever we go, we take the Spirit of God with us. We take a manifestation of the kingdom of God wherever we go. God's given us this community. They just don't know it yet. This is my community. That's why I'm involved in so many different areas. If Father didn't want me loving or caring for my community or for my street, then he'd never have placed me there in the first place. That's why I say to everybody at the end of our service, you are about to hit the greatest area of your effectiveness because God has placed you specifically in your street, in this community, and in your workplace or your school, your university, wherever it is. God's placed you there knowing that you have been lit up to light up. We are a city on a hill. God's put a light within us. We are the light of this world, God says in his word. We are to shine for Jesus wherever we find ourselves. Darkness cannot stand light. In fact, it flees when we start to to light up for Jesus. People's understanding, it becomes so much greater and they'll fight against that. You're going to have some great fights in the community. Not physical ones, but spiritual ones. That's why we need to go out with our family. That's why we need to go out with other people so that someone's got our back and the enemy can't sneak up behind us and try and take us out. See, there's strategy behind what we're doing. Let us take the responsibility to love and build up the part of the community that we live in, that we work in, that we shop in, or that we play in. Life's not all about us. It's about Father and His plans for people who live around you. People say, oh, who's my neighbor? God said, you know, love the, the, the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and stuff like that. And he then says that uh, um, love your neighbor as yourself. It's a second and, and great, uh, it's, like, it's like unto the first commandment. And then someone said to him, well, who's my neighbor? It's whoever you find yourself next to in that moment. That's who your neighbor is. It's the person that you find yourself next to. Five, number five. God, Father God wants us to do this with the right motivation. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8 says, love never fails. Love never fails. The right motivation for us to do this is with the motivation of love. That's why I'm saying, God, before we ever hit our streets, Lord, would you place within me a love for the people in my street? Would you place within me a love for the people that I work with, even the one that rubs me up the wrong way? We've got to do this with the right motivation. The, the Bible's full of how the people that we're, we're to love. 
The same people that, that Jesus loves are the people that we are to love. Jesus himself said, love your enemies. That's right. Love your enemies. That's love the person that hurt you. Love the person that abused you. Love the person that betrayed you. Love the person that says all kinds of unkind and horrible things about you. Love them. Let that love be the motivation for the reason that we go out into our street to, so that we can start to see a, a genuine thing happen. I'm, I'm, I'll talk about this when we come to this part in the next couple of weeks. But like Jesus had compassion on the people that he served. The people that he loved. He, he had compassion. He was filled with compassion. I'll get to that. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people, full stop. Bada bing, bada boom. Love God, love people. Let the love that we have from God be the reason that we go from God to the people, carrying his love. Six, number six. Father God will provide opportunities as we go. <laughs> you get what you aim for. You get what you aim for. You get what you aim for. I've got to believe. I've got to believe that Jesus affected and brought encounters with Father to his world because he expected it to happen. It even happened when he didn't expect it. A woman with an issue of blood comes up through a crowd, doesn't touch his shoulder, doesn't touch his hand, but touches just the hem of his garment, came crawling on her hands and knees and just touched the hem of his garment and she got what she, she aimed for. She got what she was going for. I've got to believe that God, as we, as we start to say, God, I want to be used by you to talk to my neighbors, my friends, my family, my workplace about who you are and what you've done. We have no problem, absolutely no problem in talking about the things like, you know, that are happening in our family that happened with our sports team, that happened maybe we, we found this great recipe that we've just given it a try and it's just that the taste of the cake was divine. It was like a heavenly moment that we had this, this cake that we'd made. We have no problem talking about those sorts of things. Yet we balk, we stop, we stutter. We have a doubt or a fear when it comes to talking about Jesus. And he's the one that's had the greatest impact in our lives. And I'm not trying to make people feel guilty. I'm just saying that's how it is. Let's change it. We, we've got the capacity to change this. We've got you know, the, the ability to say, Holy Spirit, would you so grab me? Would you so get a hold of my life and, and do something in me that I can expect an encounter with God for these people? That, you know, there's going to be an opportunity to share. As we go, those divine appointments are going to happen. There's going to be opportunities, there's going to be openings, there's going to be a supernatural occurrence that happens. We find ourselves in conversations with people and we'll hear ourselves saying things that could only ever be the construct of the Holy Spirit. I've had people like when I've been preaching from here, they come up to me after the service and they'll say, were you standing at my kitchen window? How on earth could you know that that was what I was talking about this week? 
I didn't. God does. Holy Spirit knows what's going on in our lives and he can use us in divine ways to bring about something that can bring change into a person's life. Luke chapter 22 verses 7 to 13 is an, a classic example of this very thing happening. Jesus is just coming back into Jerusalem and he says to his, uh, his disciples on the, uh, uh, the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed, Jesus said to Peter and John, uh, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Uh, where do you want us to, to prepare uh, for it, Lord? They asked and he says, as you enter the city, listen to this, he says this, as you enter the city, you're going to see a man who's carrying a jar of water. You'll meet him. Uh, follow that bloke to a house that he enters and then say to the owner of the house. So there's not even a certainty that this guy who's carrying the jar of water is the owner of this house. He's just going there. Okay? So this, this, there's, God's joining some dots. He's, he's doing a, a dot to dot picture for us. Go to one, to two, to three, to four. Just join the dots. You ca- you'll catch on. And then he says, the teacher says, where uh, is the guest room? Where may I? This is what you've got to say to this, this bloke who's owning the, the, the house. He says, where is the, the guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He'll show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. So the disciples left and found things just as Jesus told them. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Who wants to see the miraculous happen? Come on, let's see your hands. I mean, don't just put them up because someone else has put them next. Who genuinely wants to see miracles happen? We all do, virtually. Okay? You're going to have to do what he says. You're just going to have to do what he says. Another example. Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 to 27. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. And when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. Because, I don't know this for a fact, so I'm just conjecture. (laughs) Peter said this out of defensiveness for Jesus. He's not real sure that he did pay the tax. But he said that he has. Now, I've got to assume that maybe he did see that. I don't know. So Jesus says to, to Peter, what do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? See, the other interesting thing about this is that Jesus already knows that Peter's had a conversation with someone about tax. Peter's not said a word. Just saying. Uh, Peter says, from others. Then Jesus says, then... The sons are exempt, but so that we may not offend them. Peter, I want you to go down to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish that you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them to pay your tax and mine. Guess what Peter had to do? He had to go down to the lake. He had to get a fishing line. He had to stick his fishing line into the water I don't know what sort of bait you've got to use to catch a fish that's got money in its mouth. But I'm suggesting maybe, just maybe, it looked like a bank account. I don't know. He's got to do that. See, if we want to see the miraculous happen in our lives, if we want to see God at work within us and doing stuff, we've got to do what God says. And I've got to tell you, 
Okay? Your ability to hear from God is so much better than you actually believe it is. You actually hear so clearly from God by the Holy Spirit, better than you ever think that you do, because the enemy knows that you hear from God, and what he says to you, oh yeah, God wouldn't tell you to do that. God wouldn't tell you to go and get your fishing line, go down to the lake, stick it in there, and you're going to get a fish with some coins. The enemy says, yeah, that's just absolute rubbish. How could you ever consider that you'd do that? You know what? Miracles happen when we are obedient to what God asks us to do. You want to, we're wanting to see the miraculous happen in our lives. Miracles are attached to obedience. We, you know, the Bible says that lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How many of us lay hands on the sick? What we do is say, look, uh, you know, we hear someone say, look, I was, I, we're in the, in the shops and we see someone who's maybe walking with a cane and we just feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We, you know, you've got to go and talk to that person. We say, well, no, I'll just pray for them. Well, that'd be really nice too. But where are you going to pray for them right then, right there in the shop? Or you're going to go home and in your prayer closet so no one else can see and, well, do you really pray for that person then? See, it's attached to obedience. The miraculous is attached to obedience. This is a challenge for people who uh, find it very hard to, to talk to other people just off the cuff. I've got to tell you, it's hard for anybody. It's not just a personality type. It's, it's hard for an extrovert to go up to someone and, and talk about things because you just don't talk about religion or, or tax stuff like that, except for certain seasons in the year when it's okay. Christmas is okay. What, is, what does Christmas mean to you? We've got to take this to the streets. Are we being led by the Holy Spirit? Are we being obedient to what He tells us to do? We will return with stories that will warm the coldest heart, will encourage the discouraged, we will strengthen our faith and give great glory to God. That's what's going to happen when we start to do what God asks us to do. We can see the miraculous happen. It's in taking those opportunities that we are going to need something right now. And I want to take just 10 minutes. Can I have 10 minutes just to talk about something right now? See, for us to see these things happen means that in the moment, in the opportunity that I have already made a decision to step out or to speak up. Because if I leave it to the moment or that opportunity to make the decision, if I'm going to speak up or step out in doing something, the opportunity will have already passed and I've missed that opportunity. But if I've made the, the, the decision beforehand that if I see an opportunity, I'm going to take that opportunity. Today, we need to make a decision. We need to make a decision about whether we are going to take the opportunity when it arises. It's not about an if. There is always an opportunity. But we're going to say, I'm going to take 20 seconds of outrageous courage to step into the moment and say something or do something as led by the Holy Spirit. When the opportunity arises, when that, that door is opened, I'm stepping through, I'm going to step up, I'm going to speak in, in that moment because I'm making a decision to have 20 seconds of outrageous courage. Making that decision ahead of time actually will save us so much heartache because we will walk away from missed opportunities with regret. We'll wonder, could that person have risen out of that wheelchair? Could I have helped that person with a word of encouragement in that moment? Could I have rung that person when I felt that God was speaking to me about that person? They just flashed into my mind, but I didn't ring them. 
I don't want people to live with regret. I've felt that at times. You walk away from a situation, missed it, should have done something. And you're thinking, what if? What if? It's a mistake to, for us to think that way. So if we, ahead of time, think about what we could do in making a decision today, saying, God, right here, right now, I make a decision to speak up or to step out in that moment at your direction, at your leading. Here's some things about courage. See, we think that courage is taking monumentally brave actions like Malala Yousafzai. Now, I hope I've said that right. Probably haven't, but that's okay. The young Pakistani girl who got shot with making, for making a stand about education. We think that that's what courage means in doing that. But you know what? It is that, but it's also in the small incremental steps that we take on a daily basis that actually get us to that point. We don't live in that environment or that culture where that young lady lives that she had to come to a point. She would have been incrementally getting to the point of making a stand in that culture. It's no different from us. We can take incredibly outrageous acts of bravery by acting brave every day. Here's, here's some thoughts about courage. Courage means being afraid and acting anyway. It's okay to be afraid, but do it anyway. Jane and I came back from, uh, from Paris. We, we went to the Eiffel Tower. I don't know if you know me at all, but I have an incredible hatred and fear of heights. I have a physical reaction that, that happens in my body. My, the soles of my feet sweat when I get into a position of height. I've got to tell you, when I'm watching a movie that like, uh, or a documentary where they're on the skyscrapers, there's these builders, like they need brains. Like it'd be good to have a brain to go up there and to do that. But they're up there and then they show the shot down to the earth. I break out in sweat when I even just look at a TV program. But Jane and I, we went to Paris, went to the Eiffel Tower, and I got myself up to the second level. I was proud of myself. I made incremental steps to challenge myself in those heights. I would not have enjoyed the incredible views from that second level platform if I hadn't have made it there. And I believe that the risk is worth uh, the effort. The view is worth the risk. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think that we've just got to have the fear, but do it anyway. Have the fear, but do it anyway. Secondly, courage is a habit. It's like a muscle that we exercise. There's a lady by the name of Breen Brown. She wrote a book called The Gifts of Imperfection. She says, courage is a habit. We get it by courageous acts. It's like we learn to swim by swimming. And we learn to be courageous, have courage by being courageous. It's easy. Get into the habit of deciding that what we think and believe about things and then speaking and acting from that place of conviction. Thirdly, focus on the person or the cause that we're standing up for. This is about Jesus. This is about bringing people into freedom and bringing people into wholeness and forgiveness and, and the, the experiencing the grace of God. The Hebrews 12.2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. Fourthly, find courage in numbers. 
That's why Jesus sent them out two by two. Because if one was faltering and saying, man, I can't do this, the other one said, yes, we can, we've got this. It's, it's as you go out together that you find that you can do things together. You have a, a greater sense of strength. Number five is pay attention to the positive signals and discount the negative ones. See, with heights, I go up into a, a high place. My immediate thought is this building has been built to the person who submitted the lowest price for the, the lowest bid for making that thing. So I'm thinking, okay, they've, they're probably using one screw in every three that they should be using. They've got the thinner level of, of, of uh, metal and steel girders that they could ever possibly hope to do. It's like paper-thin walls and stuff like that. It's even amazing that this thing's still standing when I got on it and added this weight. That's how I think. But I've got to discount those things and say, you know what? They're not out to kill me. The enemy might be, but I'm, they're not out to kill me. And we've just got to do it, even though we, we have that fear in us. It's just focusing on the positive. We can see people saved. We can see people healed and whole and set free. Number six is the role models, uh, find role models for courageous uh, other people. Find role models. Who's doing what you want to do? Get around them. Who, who's already seeing things happen in their lives in the miraculous or, or sharing their faith or, or just being nice? Uh, who's already doing that? And just get around them and see what God can do. We as a church are heading out to the streets. We are taking it to the streets. The strategy is really already started. Uh, what will we do in our moment of opportunity? Will we take 20 seconds of outrageous courage to step out or to speak out in that moment when that opportunity comes or the, or the door is open? Here's a thought, and I'll just finish up with this thought as the team come back. 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 to 19 says this. There's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears isn't made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Here's a thought. The love of the Father is so profound and so deep, so all-encompassing that it drives out all fear. And this is why I say that as a, as a people, as we're getting ready to do this, as we hit at taking this to the streets, that the first thing that we need to be saying to ourselves is, Lord, I want to experience your love in me first. Because when I've got your love in me, there won't be any fear about sharing who you are with the people in my world. Because my heart is so captured, so in love with who you are and the difference and the change that you've made in me that I want to talk to the people about who you are because of the difference that you've made in me. Before we ever start praying for our neighbors, for our friends, for our family. The first prayer that we need to be praying is, Lord, give me a love for these people. Give me a love for my neighbor. Give me a love for the person across the street. Do in me what I'm asking you to do in them. It's got to start with us, church. 
It's got to start with us. If we're wanting to see the miraculous, then we've got to start to believe that God can use us for the miraculous. God will use you. God wants to use you. God is right now saying, you got this because I've got you. You've got this because I've got you. You've got this because I've got you. The decision that we have this morning before us is this. In that moment that the opportunity arises, do I need to make that decision then or can I make it today? That when the door opens, I've already made the decision. I'm walking through this baby. I'm walking through this door. I'm taking this opportunity because I'm not filled with fear about what these people might say that they might reject me. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God who sent you. That's all it needs to do is just to say in this moment, I'm going to make a decision that when my 20 seconds of outrageous courage arrives, that moment, I'm in. I'm in. Let's stand. Um, if anyone wants a copy of the miracles that are in the Bible, let me know. I'm uh, happy to go run some copies off. One of the greatest miracles is the miracle of salvation. Now, I don't know everybody here today. I don't know where you come from. I don't know your background. I don't know what's happening in your world. I don't know if you've ever made a decision to follow Christ. But I want to give you an opportunity this morning. The greatest miracle is the miracle of new birth being born again by the Spirit of God, by believing in who Jesus is, what He's done for us, and then confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and accepting Him as our Lord and Savior. You didn't find yourself here by accident today. You're here by divine appointment. God orchestrated from the beginning of time you being here today. It was a part of His plan. You find yourself here today hearing a message about learning about the love of God in our streets, but you found out about it here today. You found yourself here. So this morning, I want to make an opportunity, give an opportunity for people to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't know everybody, like I said. I don't know where you come from and your background. But just as everyone's head's bowed, every eye closed, if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never done it before, maybe. Or maybe you have done it a long time ago and you just want to feel like you need to get right with God. I'd, I'd just like you to put your hand up because I want to know who I'm praying for today. Is there anyone here this morning? Just want to get right with God or you never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but this morning is your day. You found yourself here by divine appointment. You don't even know you got here, but you, you found yourself here. Is there anybody here this morning? The only other thing I'm going to pray for is this. I'm going to pray for you to make a decision about your 20 seconds of outrageous courage. I'm going to pray that you think about it, you realize the implications of it, and despite all those things, all of the opposition that you could throw up, every argument that you could say why you shouldn't do that, 
even in a politically correct working environment that you work in, that you're going to say, Lord, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to take the opportunity. Is anybody here? You're going to make a decision. Say, yes, I'm going to take that opportunity. I want to pray for you. Yes. Any others? Yep. Yep. Hands going up. Hands going up. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you put within people the courage to stick with their decision today that they can write in their Bible today's date, Sunday the 17th of November at 11.44 a.m. I make a decision that when the opportunity arises, the door opens, that there's an avenue to do or speak something into a, uh, into a situation or into a person's life. Father, see my hand. Today I make a decision. I will speak up. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would give them the actions or the words to speak in that moment and have the confidence in your ability to do that. And I, Father, thank you for it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen.